to the Bailey Bixby podcast after a week off. I had a uh, quite the excursion at up north fishing. So here we are with episode six with Michael Van Swearingen. I think this will be a uh, pretty solid episode here as we got one of the more interesting people in the world here that I know personally. Wow. Yeah. I'll, so why don't you introduce yourself, Mike, and... Give us a little lay down. What's up? I'm Michael Swearingen. Michael Van Swearingen. I'm a motion designer. I am Bailey's uncle. Yep. <laughs> yep. So that's how we know each other. And uh, I guess, so what have you been up to the past month or so with quarantine? How's life been treating you? It's not been too bad. I was a little nervous at first. But um, I think... I mean, work-wise has been chill, social-wise has been chill. I've been hanging out in a chat room with my buddies, video chatting when we can, and uh, overall I've been, I've been kind of maintaining, um, but over the last, like, two days, I got really distracted and went down a wormhole and bought a new computer, so that's, <laughs> so we're doing great. We're spending money, <laughs> doing awesome. Yeah, how much, I guess, how much is one of those PC computers that you got, because those are pretty rad. Yeah, so, like, I'm building it. Uh, from the ground up, I built mine in 2016. That was around 2k, and decided to invest a little bit more. I have, you know, I already have some stuff like uh, monitors and and like a mouse, and I did buy a new keyboard. Um, but this one, so far, I've invested about 3k into it because, really, it's like my only expense is yeah. like that. That's where I make everything. That's like my main tool, and right. that's arguably like that's that's considerably. Like inexpensive uh, compared mm-hmm. to like other other professions and stuff. Well, that that isn't that what pretty much brings in the revenue for you. Oh right, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. that's that and like some software uh, that I pay like monthly or, or yearly. Um, but that's that's kind of it. Yeah. So I guess with being a motion designer and everything, that where did this start from? Did it start from just doing art and like? figuring out i know you come from like a, an auto racing family which oh, yeah. is my family too so growing up with yeah. that i mean everyone grandpa trying to get you to do that and everything how did you how did you find your way in art to get to where you are i think it's funny that i mean you bring that up uh and, and i do think there's like a, a really strong parallel so like i mean just to kind of go into it, yeah, I mean, like, I'm I'm significantly, like, a black sheep compared to <laughs> yeah. the rest of the fam when it comes to, like, sports and racing and, uh, mo- I mean, mostly racing, because, uh, like, I did sports growing up, but at the racetrack, it was always funny because, yeah, like, you know, I was kind of reluctant to get too involved. Um, when we first installed that, like, pan, that, like, this wall in the trailer, we added yeah. an air air conditioning uh we had a generator we would connect to the power uh on site and 
just to like between races, uh, I, I don't know if it was like my mom or like who kind of incited it, but to put a TV in there with a DVD player. And then like, you know, I'd bring the PlayStation 2. And when we, yeah, I think mostly it was when we would tour, like, or like, you know, when we would go on trips and we'd go to Florida or go to Indianapolis and stuff, it was like something to do between races. Um, but naturally, I just found myself in there watching like Invader Zim and playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 for like hours. Uh, and I was just clearly more interested in that than racing. I, I liked the idea of participating. I liked yeah. uh, hanging out with the fam and, and I really like traveling around with them. Um, but it, something about that specific kind of competition didn't really mm-hmm. like get me excited. And I think that kind of then bleeds into competition with siblings. Like, I don't know if I at a young age really noticed like David and Krista competing, but obviously, you know, that's just a natural thing. Yeah. Um, And I just didn't have to, for lack of a better uh, word, uh, I just didn't really have the drive um, to like (laughs) pursue it fully. And so I eventually, I, I just felt, I just naturally steered in a different direction. Like, I did soccer, was, like, the the longest sport until eighth grade, and then I found myself doing theater, and then I completely dropped sports and, and focused on theater and improv, and it was, like, around 10th grade that, like, um, there was t-shirt printing in, in, well, I'm going, like, I'm going, like, way back. I'll try to speed this up. Anyway, no, I, I did, like... That's good. I like to hear it. Yeah. So okay. So Mr. Hogue had his had his print shop class where he has students printing shirts for for local whatevers. And again, like I found myself naturally more uh, attuned to um, uh, the graphic design component of it. So like I'm mm-hmm. sitting on the computer learning Adobe Illustrator and this and that. Um, not to mention like all the YouTube videos and stuff I did. So it kind of came yeah, from I remember all that stuff. Yeah, so, like, you know, there's, like, a side of acting. There's, like, the side of differentiating myself. I think with acting, too, in theater, I I think early on I noticed, like, oh, cool, this is something that I don't have to compete against David and Krista about. Yeah. Uh, my sister. Um, I'm, I'm kind of just naturally, like, good at it. Like, I felt comfortable doing it. Um, so it felt like something I thrived in that was, like, my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm doing these YouTube videos. I'm learning Adobe Illustrator. Uh, I... <laughs> didn't research any colleges and somebody just mentions to me um hey did you know that there's a graphic design program at uw stout you should consider that and then i was like oh i didn't realize that like art was like a career or that there was like job Mm -hmm. descriptions for being an artist like i you know there's like do you want to be a painter or do you want to make be a sculptor and that like fine artist but then like design never really occurred to me um, and I also do want a quick shout out Charity Purpura for um, giving me a strong nudge, uh, seeing me like sketch in my, so I, you know, I was always a student of, of, that was sketching all the time, just mm-hmm. like little shitty doodles that I'd get inspired by, like from like Tumblr or whatever. Um, but she was the one who kind of saw that and was like, yo, you should like maybe consider doing that more or like check out this website. Um, uh, what was it? I can't remember, but it was, it was graphic t-shirts. They were really popular around like the early 2010s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that made me realize, oh, there's like a whole career and I hated school. I wasn't good at like I, I had like a C B average, but that was because I cheated on just about every like <laughs> test and, and uh, assignment. Like I'm doing worksheets like 30 minutes beforehand. Yeah. Um, so I never really thrived academically. I didn't do poor. I think if I really 
gave a shit and applied myself, I'd do all right. But to be like, oh, I can like do a career in art. Um, it almost put me in a corner of like, you know what? That's kind of the only thing I think I could do that I would do well at. You know, theater was fun, but it never felt like something I could I could do professionally. Yeah. So I was I was cornered in a way of being like, OK, it's kind of all I got. It's, it's kind of make or break from the get go. So let's get into the school. Let's see what goes on. And while I was there, uh, I was doing graphic design for a little bit. Just the the fundamental courses that everybody takes. Yep. And can't remember who specifically mentioned that there was an animation program or what. So did you go in to school like as a graphic designer before getting into motion design? Yeah. So because that like again, like I didn't know this was a career until buddy Sam just like mentioned it to me. Uh, And so I was like, yeah, graphic design. Cool. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, additionally, like that was the only school I applied for. I got in. I didn't apply to any other schools. I just kind (laughs) of. It and said and it just kind of went forward with it um so i get in I'm, I'm doing all right somebody mentions animation program i had watched uh, a pixar story where it's john lassiter um starting pixar and kind of the trials and tribulations of that learning this new technology finding this like niche and that clicked to me a lot um of like oh like this is something you can do i'd always been interested in you know like animation and cartoons uh like growing up i would just watch again you know i'm in the trailer watching movies right and and watching tv um and that always felt so far-fetched of like you can just be an animator or like you know pursue that career um but Mm -hmm. that that documentary a pixar story like made it feel achievable and so I connected with that and just kind of I was at the right mental state to kind of say, like, screw it, like, let's go for it. And again, it was like another like that felt like even less achievable than graphic design. And it was like, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go all in. Let's get obsessed. Uh, and then I kind of studied the field I, again. Sorry if I'm getting long winded, but this is the. No, know. that's fine. So what I'm um, I'm taking these classes. I uh felt like i was doing pretty all right i realized there was a a very specific workload that goes into it there's been a lot of conversation of of animation and motion uh requires a bit of masochism so you need to like really enjoy self-inflicted pain like every project set up is kind of gonna suck it's extremely time consuming you know if you consider animation being 24 12 or 24 frames a second you're talking about 12 or 24 drawings just for one second of movement so if you can kind of wrap your head around that um so i you know it, i kind of like put my nose at the grindstone there and it did it gave me a, a specific type of work ethic that i felt comfortable with um and then what what you know so then it was like towards the end of uh, my junior year or senior year I, it was the end of my senior year because i did i did a year and a half or four and a half years so the end of my senior year uh, a friend of mine mentions like oh like are you doing any internships and that didn't occur to me at all because not to like (laughs) not to to kind of diss stout but like i had no idea of the motion design industry i had no idea of what jobs i could get like really the program felt like it was geared towards um hey once you're done here go apply to dreamworks and pixar and become 
uh, one of them, and it was like nah, the program wasn't that robust. So uh, they kind of showed you like a, a one-dimensional side of things, and you kind of found your way with something else on your own. Well, it was somebody just men- mentioned mentioning an internship, to which then I like found out there was like a networking event. Nice Moves uh, had just started, which is the the motion graphics network in Minneapolis, like that spring. So I went to that, met a couple of, uh, you know, I had a friend who had done an internship in the city. So I was like, you know, Maddie Haynes, I was, she was very close to me. And I was like, so how did you get that? Could you hook me up with them? Um, ultimately, I found my way towards Knock Inc. You know, like I hadn't even considered an internship. I was like, oh, I'm, I've yeah. finished this program and maybe go somewhere. But I applied to a couple, got in at Knock. It opened my eyes to motion design. <clears throat> as a career taking people's design and making it move basically was not kind of like a, a smaller kind of company or I don't know. Is it a company? I don't know how you would explain it. Uh, they're like a marketing agency. Oh, okay. So they'll get job. I mean, they'll get jobs from target target and Kohl's and um, they do a lot of, of they'll do some like illustrative work. They'll do some design work. They'll do some advertisement stuff. Uh, they were doing a lot of video at the time. Dallas Curry was my uh, senior producer who kind of oversaw my my growth as an animator. And he kind of took me under his wing. And I saw, you know, I looked up to him as a mentor in a way. Um, and that, you know, like I hadn't been taught After Effects, which is the, like the fundamental motion design tool at school. Like I didn't get taught that at all. Yeah. But at this internship, I was fortunate enough to, you know, Oh, this is what I need to learn to, you know, make it in this. Cr- okay, yeah, let's let's focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, which then adhered to my uh, my senior thesis, which made that better. Um, I don't, yeah, like, yeah. So I don't know. These opportunities kind of just popped up, and I, and I kind of mm-hmm. ran with them. And I always kind of felt like, okay, you know, this is the path. Let's hit it hard, and let's not like diverge too far from it. Um, so did you have like a a mentor then, like you said, did you have one that you kind of looked up to and kind of showed you the ropes to a few things? So that's, uh, yeah, that's okay. Cause yeah, that's like a topic I kind of want to go into is like, yeah. is like mentors. Right. I think yeah. I've, I've always tried to have like a mentor at any given time. Yeah. To look up to, I feel like that's extremely important. Any type of industry. Cause I think it's a, it opens the doors to uh, a lot of opportunities. Right. And I don't think it's never like said like, or at least it wasn't to me or, you know, I don't know, asking for help and, and finding someone who's already been through it and um, listening to their advice and taking their advice and applying it to yourself is like a super important skill yeah. that has brought me very far, very quickly, I think. Um, so Dallas, was he kind of like the first? I mean, Sam Tanner was my like first I think would say official mentor. He was my improv oh, yep. coach yep. at Stout and super influential. Like he he's a writer. He's uh he's an English teacher at Penn State right now. Um he's super inspiring. Uh somebody who listens and somebody who's like willing to give that advice. Um and then I got into school and then you know I I always kind of I found professors and I always looked up to professors and I would I'd always try to establish like a friend friendship with them yeah first and foremost because kind of um, build that relationship and then it kind of takes you places with things it's the, it's the communication it opens yeah. that up it makes them feel less like 
I hate student teacher dynamic. I hate when a teacher puts up a wall that says, I'm a, I'm a teacher. You're a student. I'm going to talk to you like I do the rest of my students. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I took so many independent studies because I'd like find professors and kind of be like, Hey, like, like let's level here. I, I understand that the, the, the program that is set up for, for my, major isn't perfect and these are the things i want to focus on and and nine times out of ten they would like agree like okay you know yeah how about you take this class instead of this class because it sounds like you're fine here but you want to focus on that um so anyway the mentor thing dallas was a, a really solid mentor to me you know i like i it's all you know i'm listening to him i'm sitting in his in his uh his suite there was like this little island where all the interns were supposed to sit yeah. and I would get so busy and there were there were computers in in his room that were much more inclined to animation. And so I spent like most of my time in there, like essentially separated from them because meant, I think Dallas had a connection with me, too, that he wanted to to keep stoking. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and then after school, uh, Jake Woodbridge was kind of my my next mentor and he was my freelance mentor. Um, he taught me kind of everything I needed to know about like making money as a motion designer. Mm -hmm. Um, cause he had been in the industry for quite a while. Um, who is, who is that guy? Where's he from? Or like, what was that with, uh, adult swim or, uh, no, this is even like, is this before adult? Yeah. Before adult swim, uh, he hit me up while I was at knock. I think mm -hmm. maybe I was doing uh, like one or two little contract things as I was still in school. I, you know, knock was like, Hey, like, you know, we, we have this relationship. Would you want to do some contract work? And while I was there, a, uh, a student I went to school with worked with Jake Woodbridge. She connected us. Jake reached out to me and said, Hey, I have this like really quick motion design thing that you can do. And all it was, it was for a sink company. And all it was, was to make this little water drop mask, uh, this little water drop, um, reveal like a sink and i remember the whole thing it was like a 30 second thing but all I, all i had to do was these couple few keyframes and it only took two hours and he gave me 200 bucks to do it and that was like the first paid gig where i was like oh shit yeah <laughs> I, mean, like, I can if i if i do this fast enough and, and there's a project rate like i can make a hundred dollars an hour so like one of my first gigs was like a hundred dollars an hour and i was like it yeah kind of that, my that mind. eye opening to you and like definitely we're like, oh, I can actually do stuff with this and like make this into a career. It really legitimized what I was doing. Yeah, um, and you know, I felt like connections were were important. So yeah, Jake Woodbridge kind of came out of the woodwork uh, with with my friend Stephanie Ritter. She connected the two of us, and he'd been a director writer around the cities for quite a while. Um, there's you know, there's a lot of those guys. There's a lot of film uh, peeps around here. Um, a lot of them moved to LA, but he's he's stuck around, and him and I are really close friends. Um, so I think after graduating, we did we do it like a thing, a, a gig or two, or maybe we kind of disconnected. I don't know. I I just remember sitting down and getting coffee with him. I can't remember if this was pre Adult Swim or post. I think this yeah. was pre. And he's just giving me, you know, I wanted I didn't know what my rate was. Every artist comes out of school and they don't know what they what to charge. Yeah, um, right. Because art. And design is such a weird commodity. It's like customized from one end, and and you know everybody wants to get the best deal because at the end of the day, it's 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 a business. Um, so, like 
I think I talked to one film teacher and he's like, and I was like, is $20 enough uh, an hour? And like, you know, it really depends on what your skill range is and what the budget is. And there's so many factors that go into it that now I'm very comfortable with. But at the time, no professors, nobody taught us how to do that stuff. And frankly, again, not to diss out, but like most of the professors there hadn't had experience in the industry. So it's mm-hmm. nothing against them. They just didn't know how to answer these questions because they'd gone to school, then maybe went and got their master's and then became teachers. So they're teaching technically, but not the real world version of that stuff, you know? So would you say that getting into your internships was kind of like the main step for you in actually learning stuff and kind of eye-opening for you to get into this career path? Yeah, I think any real world experience is going to do that. Uh, yeah. like like the pressure of of a real project like even my internship there was a couple real gigs that like Dallas was overseeing almost all of my my moves but at the same time it's like you know I have to deliver because the client is expecting a certain level of quality um I think with internships um I I talked about we can talk I let's get into my like adult swim internship a little bit because that's I think yeah. I mean, that's that's a so name. How many, that how many internships did you have? You had the one with Knock, and that was just in the Twin Cities. Yep. Minneapolis. And then, and then you Minneapolis, and then you moved to Atlanta the following year. Was that is that right? Yeah. So I finished school. Uh, I did what every, in my opinion, every graduating college student should do is take like a month or two to just play video games and kind of yeah. like fuck off and like decompress yeah. because. I had a peace studies professor that said every post grad should go to therapy. And <laughs> I fully agree because it's a weird system we were just put in for years and years. And now we're expected to completely transition into like, you can, yeah, yes, you can do anything. You could just stop working and stop and, and completely disregard your, your yeah. education and go live in the woods. But, um, that's not how, you know, you kind of, we're in a system to do things. Um, yep. So I left, I took a minute to kind of collect my thoughts and I also did what any kind of like animator would do is send the, send an application to an internship for Pixar and DreamWorks and Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and Disney Mm -hmm. and Adult Swim. And I didn't think I'd get any of those. I knew that like there's amazing schools producing amazing students I was at a a school that was very affordable because of, and you know, within reciprocity of, of, Minnesota, um, I felt like I had good skills, but did I have skills of a student who's wildly connected to like industry giants that's able to just, you know, one professor can say to an industry, uh, like dude, like, yeah, Hey, I have this student. They'd be good at your internship at Nickelodeon. And that's how they get the internship. That's, there's a lot of stories of that. Yep. Um, References. I think that's a big way of like getting yourself a job is well that's where making connections with people come in then makes it easier for you to be successful i think in my opinion well and arguably that's what you pay for at these like giant schools like RISD yeah. and cal arts like those are like and and s and scad those are two hundred thousand dollar schools like yep. that you leave school with the two hundred thousand dollar debt but you get these amazing connections that can help you pay that off quickly Mm-hmm. Um, however, like here I am from a school that nobody knows and no connections to adult swim, um, sending in an application and they hit me back, which was just blew my mind. 
they were the only ones that hit me back. And truthfully, they were the, that was like the internship I wanted the most. Um, and kind of the moral of that story is like just apply because by the time I did two interviews um, and went down there and was like a week or two into my internship. And I don't know if this is poor against adult swim or what, but they hadn't seen my reel or anything. They didn't like know that I could, and a reel is my portfolio, like a video. version. They didn't know that I could animate. That was like, they're like, can you, do you know how to use Photoshop? And I'm like, yeah, I know how to use Photoshop. <laughs> and they'd give me like a task and then like, okay, well, what, what's your experience with like After Effects and this and that? And I was like, oh, well, let me just like show you my reel. And like, you can kind of see what I can do and you can tell me if you want things with within that. Yeah. And they were like, they kind of like blew them away. Like, oh, we didn't, yeah, we didn't know that you could like do all this stuff. Yeah, let's, let's, and then, you know, then I started getting um, put on some like fun projects and stuff. But I guess the point of that is like, I think a lot of people would look at that idea of applying to Nickelodeon, Disney, Adult Swim, whatever, and say like, okay, well, that's what's the point of filling out all these apps? Because there's no way they'll they'll pick me up. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but like, Adult Swim picked me up, and they didn't even like know I could <laughs> do art. And I had, I had, I did also have fellow interns that also didn't know the Adobe suites and didn't know the technical side of things and which worked in my favor because they leaned on me, but, um, and maybe they're a little bit more strict on it now, but I think the point is to just apply and to just like go for it because, yeah. you know, you're, you're just setting yourself up for opportunities. Um, right. I, I feel lucky, but I've, you know, there's the phrase that like luck is just skill meets opportunity. Yep. And, I had refined my skills to a point where I, I cultivated an opportunity for myself and they just, they just aligned. Um, so that's that little, little, do you think you, do you feel that you threw yourself into a situation that you were uncomfortable with? And then you're kind of like, wow, I'm, I'm so glad that I did that because I probably wouldn't be like where I am right now. Just kind of putting yourself into the uncomfortable situations to make yourself grow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's all about resistance. It's all about finding places of resistance, like in your work or in your career or even like in your emotional psyche state, whatever, and like leaning into that. So um, was I the most like I know that there's tons of artists out there that are more creative and more um, technically skilled than I am, but Mm -hmm. I'm still going to just like go for it because, yeah, if I do get into that position, it's going to like it's going to um like forge me into something like stronger and better like to lean into that resistance only like allows you to like stand on your two your own two feet better you yep. know what i mean and it just builds your confidence up i mean you might not be the most experienced or the best but if you're confident in yourself i think that that just shows a lot to uh, other people I mean, it also tears your confidence down when you, when you, yeah, that's, that's true too, but (laughs) that's, but that's all, that's, that's the whole part of it. And it's like, if if you can get your, get back on your feet and um, keep pushing it, that's a, that's a, that's, that's kind of like, says a lot. Yeah. I think like, yeah, you kind of go into something and then you kind of get destroyed in that situation. And then I think it all matters on how you bounce back. That's another big thing besides confidence is just being able to bounce back. I mean, when it's, situations. when it's all said and done, there's a reason I'm still in Minneapolis, and that's because they didn't offer me a job. Like, yeah. um, I really wanted a job there. I really connected with the people down there. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I had an amazing time. I met amazing people and I wanted to keep working there. But I also understood that like, you know, if that opportunity is not there, I'm not going to force it. Mm-hmm. If they want me down there, there will be a job that'll get kind of like made for me. You know, I was trying to kind of pull all the strings I could I'm talking to my manager. You know, I, there there is these gigs that are kind of on the horizon. Um, and it was like, do I really want to force myself in here or do I want to naturally kind of fall into place? And that's that's how I kind of perceive a lot of my career is like, you know, I'll kind of like test the water. Yeah. Something. And if it doesn't kind of give at a certain point, then it's, I don't want to waste my time. So, um, you know, not getting that job down there was kind of devastating for a bit. It was weird. It was like, it felt like, it felt like going through like a breakup. Um, (laughs) cause I have to like separate from all my friends and this and that, that I just made and this like potential, whatever that I built up in my head. But, um, it was the, it was absolutely the best thing for me because I did see some interns that kind of were in my skill set stick around as contractors. Um, but the work they were doing was not work I wanted to be, would have wanted to be doing. Okay. Um, and it forced me to come back here. I mean, I had a bunch of student debt too. If I wasn't getting a job that I was able to like pay that shit off or even, you know, whatever, I didn't want to prolong that. Right. Um, but if I was, I don't know, I got, I got sent home. I tried to do some like video stuff. It made me like really reconsider like, what, what do I want to do? What field do I want to get into? So to like prolong your first question even further of what made you get into motion design, it wasn't until the fall of 2017 um, <clears throat> when I researched like film and directing, I directed a music video, I was editing stuff, I was doing special effects for stuff. Like I was doing kind of, I, I'm like a very much a generalist. I, I can wear like kind of any hats on, on a pipeline, on a video pipeline, but yeah, um, I was trying all this stuff out and it, it was when I kind of discovered motion graphics, which is just, you know, taking design elements and making them move to communicate a message i would argue is is motion graphics motion you know motion design graphic design i'm taking graphic design and i'm making it move so a Um, lot of the things you see in like marketing advertisements and all the stuff you see on tv with things moving around and stuff that's kind of is that would that be a good i or like good way to explain it easier yeah (laughs) I mean, so I ended up, I, eventually I'm at Target now doing motion graphics. Yeah, so if, you're gonna get in, on, yep. if you're scrolling on Instagram and you see a sponsored ad and you see the Target logo pop up and then shrink and then some text pops up, that's motion graphics. Not in its most glamorous form, but at its core, you know, it's it's taking design and you, using a timeline to communicate a message, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you're working at Target now, but you're also doing like your contracting as well, right? I mean, you're kind of like an entrepreneur in a sense, and you got to do your own communicating and basically your own business. So I mean, yeah, as of working with Target and like doing the contracting, what's what's uh, the contracting stuff like? Yeah, I got to do my own taxes too, which sucks. Oh. Um, <laughs> but just to kind of summarize the time a little bit, then like I did some freelance. So yeah, I mean, I guess this this adds to it. So then I started pursuing freelance and motion graphics. I got my first gig from Alicia uh, Allen, who is who you know helped create Nice Moves, this this network that I, I've referred to, um, and it was like this this gig for a bank. 
a Christian bank, a Christian financial service, I think, hmm. um, called Bright Peak. And they had a script. They had some art direction from, that they've probably found on, like, Pinterest or something. Yeah. That they wanted me to follow. And I kind of just got put into the deep end of, like, okay, here we go. I'm heading this motion design project based on stuff I had seen on the internet of what are categorized as uh, explainer videos. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you have a script, uh, you you make a storyboard, and you try to get from point A to point B of the script uh, as visually as possible using motion graphics. So this was all about how couples come together and make uh, financial decisions and I do want to add, let me talk about like the the rate part too because that was something that like I'd been struggling with. I'd started to kind of figure out. So I'm doing like project rates, so it's like you yeah. know you get 500 bucks for a project, but then if they keep asking you to come in, you're every time they ask you to come in for a revision, you're making less and less money an hour. Um, and then I'm doing hourly rates, but if you do something very quickly, you're getting like you know if I'm doing 25 an hour, I'm getting. 50 bucks for two hours of work because the project, Oh, actually you know what? that's all you needed to do. See you later. And then I spent like my whole day, just like driving to an office, doing two hours of work yeah. and making 50 bucks. So you uh, kind of got to like plan different prices for different projects or like, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Okay. And you kind of feel it out with experience. Um, but now I'm being put in this position <clears throat> that this project's longer uh, and I don't really know what to do. Like, what's a professional rate? Like, what's like, this is like a professional project. This is like a real project. So what do I, I do? So I did I, what I typically was doing at the time and reached out to Jake Woodbridge and, and really was like, okay, dude, like, you know where my skills are at. We, he was the one I was working with some editing and some VFX stuff with like, what's my rate? And he kind of just like, we, we talked back and forth and we landed on like 65 bucks an hour, which to me was like, yeah, I mean, if you're, he was like very adamant, like, no, that's like a, a motion design rate that you should pitch. So I asked, I, <clears throat> I pitched it to these guys. They instantly said yes. And I kind of felt stupid because I was like, oh shit, I could have, I probably could have pitched more. But yeah. I felt really great about that rate. Um, and that project ended up being like, I can't remember how, like a couple hundred, like a, a hundred hours, maybe more. I don't know. I mean, I did pretty well on that project. And, uh, it was with it was at the time White and Rice. Oh, I wish I could remember what their they changed their studio name recently, and I cannot remember it off the top of my head. But those guys are awesome, Brian and Anthony and Jake Woodbridge actually now works with them, which is a funny uh, circle of oh. events. But um, yeah, it was like so being a contractor, you know, I'm I'm the point of contact <clears throat> to these uh, directors, producers, and you know, also the artist and also like the designer and the motion designer, like there's whole teams that do what I was kind of doing at the time. But for certain size projects, you really only need one person. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. The The contract life has been has been pretty good. So that was like the first of it. Then freelance dried out a little bit. And then I started a job at a place called Spy, AV Integration. That got downsized. Um, they kicked off my producer and my art director who I was working closely with so my job basically changed they used to work at Target and then started their own thing with this company that I was currently at but mm-hmm. then they were gone they were like okay well let's just go get some more Target work because there's tons of Target work to do so then they kind of pulled me aside and they're like hey like uh, we have 
we we have the word on the street is they're looking for animators at Target, but we didn't want to ask you. We didn't want to tell you about it while we were working with you because we like working with you. But now that we're out of here, do you want to see if you can connect with them? And that was like this six month process of waiting and hoping and whatever. But eventually yeah. it worked out and did a little bit of freelance in between quitting Spy and starting Target. Um, and then uh, that was put on like what what they were calling permalance, which is a uh, full time contract work. So freelance, but like a full time version of that. Mm-hmm. Which was which was good, and that meant I could take a little bit smaller rate. Since I'm working with them right now, I don't really want to. I probably I just won't disclose what that rate yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you give that to yourself. <laughs> but, it, but it's but it's good and it's comfortable, and you know the sacrifice that you make is like maybe you know it's it's a corporation, so I'm. It's not always the most glamorous work, but we are getting some really fun creative projects right now. Yeah. Um, but I'm still, you know, the best part of it is, is that I still have the flexibility to take on freelance. And I hadn't mentioned this yet, but I, uh, when I graduated, like I had 50K of debt, which again, like there's these people leaving school with 100, 200, whatever, oh, yeah. Yeah. thousands of dollars of debt. Um, so I was fortunate to have 50K, but my parents weren't, or didn't, weren't going to pay for it. I had to pay it off myself. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I kind of did make it a point. Okay, I'm gonna grind for the first like three years out of school. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I, I straight up told myself like I'm gonna sell out. I'm, I'm not gonna make fun creative work. I'm not gonna make, you know, like I can make fun drawings on the side when I'm bored and want to have a little creative outlet. But yeah, first and foremost, I'm gonna try to make, I'm gonna just try to make money off my career. Yeah. Um, and I think that mindset navigated me to like where I am now, which is like a, a rate that I'm very comfortable with yeah. um, promoting and sharing. Uh, I, I guess I can say my freelance rate. Um, so, so I am taking work outside of target as well. Uh, target work comes first because I am like a contract yeah. and they, they do give me um, a solid amount of work. Uh, but if, if, maybe it's a lighter week or I'm able to communicate with my project manager and take some time off. Um, you know, mono was a really cool studio. I got to do some Google work with that Google work with them, which that rate was fantastic. Um, I, and I've recently started picking up some like clout projects. So like, um, music videos don't pay super well, but you get to work with cool artists and there's creative control. Yeah. So that's it's, just, the, it's a good experience and it's kind of yeah, cool to share with people. Right. Um, and ultimately, like, then they talk and then that connects you to and it's kind of a snowball effect with that stuff. Um, so you're taking the hit on the right so that you can get better connected. And mm-hmm. I guess to the to the paying off my loans, right, I did successfully pay off my loans uh, last August of 2019. And I'm, I'm debt free, baby. So uh, it was a good ideology to have outside of school. Because I have the rest of my life to make work I want to make. Like, let's get the debt out of the way so that I can have right. even more freedom to do that. There's nothing wrong with yep. focusing on on making Just income. Get on that path early. Right. Um, so now I'm able to, you know, work with Target, maybe take some time off and, and focus on more creative projects. Uh, so, yeah, the recent stuff I worked on was... Um, so it's first kind of like this music video popped up for uh, Audrey Mika and Kyle, which I guess she had a really popular song on TikTok, which then that got noticed. And I wonder, that video's probably got around a million views now, which is very cool. It's like the yeah. biggest 
video that I, I have. I've seen it. I'm not a big fan of TikTok. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Um, but it's a song that people were using in TikTok, and then it got really popular, so they did a remix with Kyle. Uh, and then well, Soccer Mommy is a big one in like the the kind of indie community. And then Smoke Perp is a thing that I worked on, and I didn't send an, sign an NDA. And I'm sorry, Sam, if this is uh, I won't go too much into it, but there is a music video for Smoke Perp coming out eventually that I got to do some stuff on. So yeah, these kind cool. of snowballed into each other. And now I'm, yeah, in talks with work on another artist. I don't know if they'll Didn't want to. Didn't you do a project with, uh, what's his name? Um, Anderson Pack? Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah. So I got to work on some Anderson Pack visuals Pac. For, yeah. for his tour. Uh, and that was cool, except the timeline was short and shitty. And the art direction was kind of already in stone and not very good. And I was kind of just recreating assets. And I don't know. I wish it went better, but... I got paid and they kind of chopped and screwed all my shit, which is good. Like, I'm glad they even just, it was, it was useful to them. Um, yeah. and, and it, you know, it is cool then to, I turned on Coachella that year, uh, and it, when Anderson pack was playing and I did see assets that I made playing at Coachella, like that was like, okay, they're, they're being completely overrun with other designs, but I can mm-hmm. see I did and it's there. So yeah. <laughs> I'll pat myself back for that. Yeah, that is pretty sweet. So I guess getting off like kind of the the work topic here is, or is there anything else you wanted to share about kind of what you you've done and? Um, I don't know. I, I kind of try to tell artists like, so I've talked to Stout a couple times, um, and I've done like the podcast and stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna plug Hellavision Television. We didn't even get into that, which is the animation show that I help run yeah. in the cities. Um. Just participation super important. Communication super important. Yeah. It, it blows my mind how, like, easy it is to respond to an email. And, like, I want to say, like, artists could boost their rate probably, 50, like, 25% if they just got better at responding to emails on right. time. Like, yeah, communication is huge in today's world. I think the biggest thing that I sell, like, I I think I'm good technically, but I'm not there are better artists out there that could be getting paid that they could be paying like the same rate, if not more. But I think what I offer is like, um, communication, uh, what's like, yeah, like a little bit of that confidence that I I will deliver. And like what they're ultimately paying for is like, okay, we're trusting that you're going to see this project to completion. Um, even if it's like a style I haven't done or like a concept that they're uncertain of, but like, I'm going to at least get it done. Um, and I think I delivered kind of that peace of mind and that's why I can pitch the rates I do. So to, to disclose my rates, uh, uh, let's, let me think. So if I get asked for like, just like a, a corporate contract gig, it can mm-hmm. be anywhere from 75 to a hundred an hour. Um, and wow. yeah. And if, and, and some projects, you know, can be longer, shorter, whatever, uh, I've been hit up for a project being in such a pinch that needs to be the turnaround is a day. So they're going to pay me my hundred an hour rate because they, they need the convenience. Making yourself accessible is also like a a big thing, but yeah. And then if I'm doing like a music video, okay. So yeah, the, the hourly rate then also translates into a day rate of 600 to 800 a day, which I've done day rates quite a bit lately. And if I'm doing like a music video, I'll, I'll probably, you know, depending on the artist and really what the budget and what they need, it can be anywhere from 300 to 
800, 300 to 600 like a day um, or whatever. I, I'm pretty lenient with music videos right now because, again, it's like it's like a clout thing. Yeah. But um, so yeah, I guess this kind of stuff, it's kind of like it's transparent with like marketing as well. So like for the business people out there, this is kind of like you can even use this advice that he's giving into your marketing if you want to be like a marketer for someone or start your own business like you can give your own rates too so i mean this is kind of relatable to marketing i compare these two not similar but just the way they function i would say i work with yeah i work with marketers all the time i like yeah. they're they're the strategists behind like all of this thing like i don't i think the 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 producer or the creative director will work a little bit more clo closely with marketing but yeah um maybe some advice if you are into marketing and you're listening to this is i mean obviously pay your artists because that's important um but also like i don't really know where i was going with that just pay your artists <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's kind of like the backbone to it is they're the one producing the stuff you're putting out there pretty much so and and there's a line of communication that's necessary. So find a producer that's good too. I've, I've had like yeah. pretty just okay producers where it's like communication just gets hard because yeah, you do have these like strategists who know what will work. Like, yeah, we get it when you're scrolling on Facebook and text pops up and it's a guy show, using a, a frying pan and the egg doesn't scrape off. Like you're going to look and you're going to connect like, oh, what's wrong with this? But when it comes to design, like it's not always that simple. And sometimes you do need like, I don't know, give give the creative freedom. Don't be too do picky. Trust your artists is, I guess, also a yeah. thing. If you're paying them, you're paying them to, to make something good. So trust their instincts. You don't always have to like have your hands too hard, heavy into it, because I've had to like completely... Yeah. Yeah, it's there's there's lots of talk of, of an artist. Don't make, be micromanaging people and kind of just put your trust in them. Yeah, there's all these these kind of analogies of somebody making this like beautiful project, and then maybe like uh, just some uh, producer or whatever kind of like put gets their hands in it or the client does, mm -hmm. and because it's what they think that they want, it becomes this like it's just okay. Well, I have this like ugly thing that yeah, I guess. It has the functionality, but it kind of just looks like shit, and you're, yeah. you're not going to really use it. And mm -hmm. I don't know, a lot of a lot of stories of projects ending up like that. But yeah, communication. Yeah, communication is key, pretty much in any industry. So anyone yeah. listening, yeah, communication. Just be on top of that shit. <laughs> it's important. And it's, so it's kinda, yeah, I'll go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, just I was just going to get into another topic. I know you've just been, you, you've traveled a lot and I know you're big into going and experiencing different cultures. I know you, one that stands out to me, you went to Japan for how long did you go there for? Uh, I was only there a week, eight days. Okay. I mean, that's a totally different world in my eyes. Like I couldn't even imagine what it's like. I just I mean, see what it net. is on TV and stuff. If you guys want to like share what what that's like, because I know a lot of people. Well, in today's world, that's not really possible. But oh yeah, not not right now. Although I got people talking about going to like, like yeah, I'm going to Florida next week. I'm like, oh damn, all right, just getting right back on the on the horse. Okay, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean that was like my first solo trip, and I kind of had a lot going on 
I I just quit Spy. I wasn't sure if Target was going to work out. And I had bought this ticket because my buddy lived out there. Scott's Cheap Flights, going to plug Scott's Cheap Flights. I've gotten incredible deals with that. I mean, you just put your email on the list. And like I got yeah. this $500 round trip to Japan, which is kind of unheard of um, with, with one layover in Toronto, um, oh. which... Which the first, which the flight that I was gonna leave Minneapolis, the first flight got grounded. Like something was wrong with the engine. They put me on a Delta flight, which was direct, and I was like at the front of economy. And the woman next to me, because Japan Japanese are people are extremely polite, and she didn't want to get me sick because she was under the weather. So they she asked to move. So I had these like two front of the economy class <laughs> to myself. Uh, it was it was it was just kind of hilarious how that all worked out, but. Yeah. Um, 13 hour flight. I suck at sleeping on flights. I watched yeah, I Devil Wears Prada for the first time, which actually is a fantastic film. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, man, the, the jet lag with the culture shock was like being in a fever dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know Japanese. I had, I had a list of words that I was just trying to use to get by, uh, like, just like saying sorry and excuse me. And um, I can't even remember some of them, which was kind of a bummer, but just like, where is, and then you'd say something in English and typically they would know what you meant. Um, but I remember the first thing I needed was ibuprofen cause I had a headache from my shitty sleep. And like, I was yeah. like, okay, I got this. And I'm using the Google translator app to like read, <laughs> like and I'm looking up, like what is, what does ibuprofen look like in Japan? Like things you didn't think you'd have to like, Oh, of course they don't have the white bottle with the little cap. It's like a a black box with gold writing on it. But it's everybody in Japan knows that. So um, it was a, it was a great experience. I'm I'm a big uh, big nerd when it comes to anime. So that was like you know the biggest influence of of going out there. My buddy yeah. living out there, Bobby Stern, shout out. Um, staying with him, uh, got to got to go see some like beautiful parks and beautiful shrines. I took the bullet train. That was awesome. Um, and Japan's like one of the safest places in the world to travel to. Uh, no, there's no guns. Nobody open owns guns there. Uh, even like knives and like nobody like really has them on hand. Like there's, there's, it's a very like non-threatening place to be. I never felt nervous about being out and about. Um, and no Man, samurai yeah. swords people no, sa- <laughs> no no none of that um i don't know it's just it's just a very culturally rich place um and a place i'm i'm definitely going to go back to yeah uh and and to spend a week there was not nearly enough i i the longest i sat still i feel like was like maybe two hours at a time when i just had to like wait for bobby to let me into his apartment when i first yeah. showed up but uh the rest of it, I was just like constantly, constantly busy. Um, and it was, I was traveling on my own and I, I, it was a really great experience to like kind of be stuck with yourself, especially yeah. when people don't speak English, you're, you're really in your own head, but, um, amazing to, uh, amazing, amazing to like kind of explore in the freedom of, of yeah. kind of getting where you want. Did it kind of like give you a different perspective on not even just, I don't know, culture, but kind of like a different perspective about your life? Or I guess just culture in general, just the difference between the United States and Japan. Like I just couldn't imagine I just couldn't imagine it. <laughs> honestly. honestly, honestly, yeah, because you know, foot traffic is huge there. Like loitering isn't like a problem. 
mm-hmm. everybody's just super polite. They kind of stay in their lanes. And I know with Bobby had mentioned, like, that's a little frustrating because he's extremely boisterous and extroverted and like Japanese are extremely introverted and, you know, constantly uh, saying sorry for bumping into each other. And um, but at the same time, like there's a work ethic um, and a focus on themselves that allows them to coexist and kind of be their best selves if, if they choose to be. Um, and I just loved how, <laughs> I just loved how everyone got the fuck out of each other's way. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, the, the escalators going in and out of the, the subways, everybody, I think, what was it in Tokyo? Everyone's on the right side. If you're standing, you're on the right side, but because you're leaving space on the left for people to walk, like that is just ingrained mm-hmm. in everybody's head. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because then Osaka, uh, which is a little more south, um, they're on the left side and people walk on the right. But it's that mindset of like being considerate of other people. Like I'm not in a rush, so I'm going to stand on the right side out of the way. This person, these other people are in a rush. Let them. Oops, sorry, my mic. Uh, let them. Uh, let them walk through. Like let them go through. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I think that's man. That is something. If if you've ever spent any time at the Minnesota State Fair. Uh, that's oh, something God. maybe <laughs> I'm picking like the most prime example, but that's something that maybe we can integrate is just, it's, it's, it's a consideration of, uh, each other's like biz, you know? Yeah. Would you say traveling is like a, a pretty big thing for you? Like, I just, I want to do it because I feel like it'll, I don't know, help me learn more about myself. Actually. Like I want to try doing a travel thing by myself. And like, I feel like that'll just be like a huge, not like a, like a learning lesson in my life almost like just a huge step from one thing to another by going on some crazy trip by myself. Yeah. And like, I think, yeah, I think traveling is super important. I spent the last year, um, because Target had put me in a, a comfortable financial place to, to go visit friends who have been in, who I got Noah Link who's working in Yosemite. So I go visit him mm-hmm. and he's a ranger. He's showing me around Yosemite and I got, uh, Nathan Motzko who's, who's living in Portland and I go hang out with him and we'll go walk around Portland. And like, it, for me, it was like, let's go visit a place where I kind of have a, a purpose. Yeah. You know, I kind of do like a double purpose of like one, I'm getting away from where I'm at, but two, maybe there's a networky sort of opportunity um, with Portland. I got to see where Nathan worked. And when I went to New York, there was like a showcase and I, I made friends in my uh, motion community out there. Um, so that kind of held its own double purpose. Um, but to even just like go explore like Japan, I went to go visit Bobby, but mostly because then like, okay, there was like some free lodging for a couple days and I did miss Bobby. Um, (laughs) but ultimately, yeah, throwing myself in the deep end of like, I don't really know what's going to happen. I'm going to just go to this place and I know I like some things there and I'm going to just, it kind of forces you to figure out what you like, I guess. Um, forces you to be self-reliant, like, there's a lot of waiting involved in traveling on your own. So like get prepared to do that or like pushing around a, a fucking suitcase is always a pain. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It's, it's the, it's, it's finding problems and solving them. It's again, it's like finding resistance and, and succeeding. And you're constantly, when you're traveling on your own, constantly finding new things you're dealing with. And, you know, you got to feed yourself three times a day. Like that already is like, a whole thing and how you do that and and how you also then you know you want to explore food but like you also are just really fucking hungry you want to eat right now (laughs) 
you know, there's times like I was in Shibuya all by myself and I was in Ginza all by myself. And there's times where I was just completely by myself. And like, you just go into a different headspace there. Um, and, you know, I think there's like even like a comfort in exploring and and that there is own whimsy of especially with the culture shock, like nobody knows who the fuck you are. And mm-hmm. Japanese are extremely respectful of foreigners, um, which was which was great, uh, like American foreigners. And yeah. I never felt uncomfortable like I was like gawking or whatever. Um, but yeah, I it's it's it is interesting just kind of getting lost and like. Like, what do I want to do? I can kind of do anything. So there's there's absolutely merit in um, in in traveling. So yeah, like, going with a reason or going without one, I don't think really matters. Yeah. So uh, as you see yourself right now in today's world or 2020, like where do you see yourself in in 10 years? Like, are you a goal setter? Do you have like a 10 year plan, five year plan? See, that's kind of fucked up to ask because we're in the middle of a fucking global pandemic and potential (laughs) (laughs) recession. Like I've that has been like I I am a planner and I usually am like, yeah, look, this is what we're doing. But uh, up until this happened, I it really set me back. And if anything has forced me to not have a plan for the first time, which feels great because my plan for for the longest time was pay off my loans like that's. Make make your decisions, your career decisions off of where can you make money to pay off your loans. And mm-hmm. now that that's off the table, like one, I do want to save up. Um, savings always important. And um, like I took time off to work on a short film, which I didn't make money on, but I had that creative exercise of, of producing something like that. Um and then I was like kind of gearing up to like go to Atlanta, like where I got friends and where I got a couple connections and I was going to do that. And I was like, you know what? I, w- I was almost about to be there, about to move out there in March if, if things lined up. And then this all went down. So no studios are hiring. No one's communicating to like new people because you don't know who's who's doing what. So uh, it forced me to I'm doing another year in Minneapolis, which I, I absolutely don't regret. Um, I have a lot of great foundations here. Mm-hmm. Like Target's going well, um, uh, Hellavision's going really well. I'm getting these clout projects, and and with um, motion design and being a digital artist, like I get to just work off my computer anyway, so I can kind of work anywhere. Um, you know, I do have the itch to live somewhere else, but then um, not to get too heady and to go and too deep into the these new philosophies of like Taoism, Buddhism stuff, but it's a lot about looking. Yeah and your own values and understanding like like what do i really need do i really need a lot of money do i really need to go to a new city where i don't know people where i develop a new network and this and that like do i need like yeah what do i need so like right now especially in in the midst of a potential recession and and a global pandemic like what i need is stability what i need is um to kind of get comfortable uh and 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 meditate a little bit like to just like focus on my craft and, and make work and be grateful that I have work and, you know, be is just set myself up for a comfortable situation. Like I've been taking risks for a while. I, I've, I've approached a lot of decisions in my career with like, you know, I'm in my early twenties. I don't have a mortgage. Um, you know, like I'm single. I, uh, don't have a kid. I don't have a pet. I could move anywhere. I could live in the shittiest conditions because I'm young and healthy and, 
that's where a lot of really great opportunities arise. Mm-hmm. But I'm approaching a point of like, you know, like I'm in a comfortable situation. So how much do I really want to shake it up? Um, but I'm letting my career kind of just I'm 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 kind of letting uh, holding on looser. Like I'm kind of letting it navigate itself with yeah. these, with these music videos and whatnot. So I don't really have like a five, 10 year plan right now. I think yeah, that's the best. Kind of life. Which is exciting, like, because I've never yeah. been here. I've always been so anxious about knowing what or wanting to figure out what I'm doing next. And so to kind of let go and to let it guide itself is, um, it's exciting. And um, I'm staying open. And that's a big Taoism thing is just like, you know, taking things as they come and, and, and allowing yourself to receive all of these opportunities. Like, when I was so focused on Atlanta, I completely ignored what was immediately next to me or like opportunities that maybe I could have taken advantage of if I wasn't so intense on this one, one direction. So to it, you know, as shitty as this current situation is, it's forced me to open up and, and I, I feel a lot more relaxed in my career than I think I ever have. Yeah, that's good. That definitely is. I know. I, I think I find myself more of like looking towards the future more than like just being in the present moment. So I guess this, whole coronavirus thing has actually helped me just like relax and like take one thing at a time and kind of enjoy the process just realize what you're doing and what you need to do to get to where you need to be so I mean definitely has opened my eyes on just relaxing a little bit more and not taking stuff too seriously (laughs) yeah I think it put a lot of things in perspective and it, it made us great it's making us grateful for things that maybe we had taken for granted um and I and and you can find a silver lining in, in just about anything. And obviously there's there's a lot, you know, that is out of our control. But what's within our what's in our control is is kind of how how we're going to flip it and, and find a better mindset out of it. So. Yeah. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, wrapping up the show or every show that I do, I kind of I ask my guests, um, what's one piece of advice you would give someone younger than you? uh just like anyone younger than me or somebody just like someone kind of trying to figure their way that's kind of what the podcast for just kind of help people out with if they don't know what they want to do or just if they need some piece of advice to just kind of help them out and use that yeah i i'd mentioned it earlier but participation is like so incredibly important and the only reason i've gotten um, and it's not even as, as simple as like, you know, like push yourself out of your comfort zone or like, yeah, whatever. It's like, find your community, find people with similar mindsets. You know, we've all been told to surround ourselves with, you know, people with like the right crowd and this and that, but that's like extremely important. And when I'm talking about mentors, that's part of it. Like seek mentorship, um, participate in your community because ultimately like your participation is bringing your community up, making it bigger, um, television, television um look it up on instagram it's it's currently my like my community that i'm i feel like i'm thriving in i've met Mm -hmm. so many amazing artists and ultimately i'm bringing up other artists and giving them a platform so it's my way of giving back creating a community yeah um there's a community out there for just about everything whether it's in the town that you're living in or the town or or like the town next door, like go find it and surround yourself with it. If you're, if you have something you're really passionate about, like that's, 
that's the move. That's the easiest to do. We're in the internet age. You can kind of communicate with anybody. So just seek, yeah. seek, seek those out, seek out community and participate in it. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I like that. Actually, I use people's advice. Like on these shows, I write them down and I look at them from time to time and it kind of reminds me of things. So it's good for my, myself and I, hopefully it's good for the listeners. So I appreciate you taking the time to do this. This is, it was, this is really fun. I learned a yeah. lot and yeah, I hope uh, my listeners enjoy it. So yeah. Thank you for doing this. Of Take course. Care. Keep it up dog. Loving the podcast. Keep, Thanks, keep brother. doing it. Keep killing it. Appreciate it.